Get Undressed. Hi everyone and welcome to Get Undressed. Today I have the pleasure of welcoming the amazing Emily, who's the founder and CEO of Bluebella. Thank you for having me. Welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? So Emily, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast because I've heard a lot about the brand. I know the brand as a customer. I actually buy it since Yay! quite a long time. <laughs> That's always so good to hear. I always get really excited when someone says that. So I relate to it. Yeah. And I'm really interested in hearing your, so your story and know basically everything about you and about the brand. So my first question would be, how did you get into fashion? So, I mean, not the conventional way. You know, I didn't study fashion. I went to university. I studied um, politics, philosophy and economics. Oh my God, I love <laughs> that. At Oxford, it's like, you know, I think most people that do that degree go into like law or they try and yeah. run, the, run the country really badly or something like that. Yeah. So that's the kind of normal route. So it wasn't the typical route, but you know, for me, I'd always loved lingerie, you know, particularly lingerie, actually. I mean, I love fashion to wear and, yeah. and so on. But in terms of my interest, it was the category that really interested me because it's such a emotive part of fashion. It's so yeah. tied to sensuality, our bodies, etc. So I was particularly interested in lingerie and I had the idea for Bluebella. So really it was I had this idea for, for a brand in lingerie and I decided to give it a go rather than me looking for specifically a career in fashion. Oh, that's amazing. So you actually didn't go to fashion school or anything like that? I literally didn't do it. I knew nothing. I mean, I look back and I just, the amount of mistakes and like, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, yeah. which, you know, in some ways can be an advantage. Sometimes. I think it's best. Sometimes. Yeah. And I probably if I'd known, maybe I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, You know, I just thought it, with that kind of, you know, enthusiasm and naivety of youth, I thought I would um, give it a go. That's amazing. And so you just like, you woke up one morning, you were like, okay, today's the day. Had you finished your studies or not yet? So the actual sort of giving it the leap. So I, yeah, I'd graduated from university. I was living, I'd moved to London. I was working as a journalist. Um, and, you know, I was researching the idea, kind of writing a business plan um, around my other job. Um, and I was still kind of, shall I do it? Shall I not do it? And the kind of day it happened, it was my, the, the lease on my flat I was yeah. renting was coming up for renewal. So I knew that if I signed it for another year, then I would have to keep the day job to pay the rent yeah. and I wouldn't be able to start, you know, so it was quite, it was a bit of a leap of faith that I was like, right, if I don't try it now, I will never try it. Exactly. Yeah. So I basically went into work the next day, handed my notice in, didn't sign the lease moved back to Nottingham which is where I'm from to move back in with my dad so I wouldn't have any major outgoings which I do not recommend in your mid-20s <laughs> were you like that I'm gonna <laughs> do like, lingerie <laughs> yeah, I'm back um so yeah so I just thought I'll give it a year I'll yeah. um you know I had the luxury of a dad that would allow me to, to, to move in <laughs> I thought I'd give it a year and um see how I felt after a year and try it out um and yeah so that's that's how I kind of took the the leap and so you come back home you obviously you had your business plan and so how do you go into the whole the whole shebang of okay no I'm gonna like start designing and all of that because I used to be a designer and I know that the idea people have of doing a brand is very far away from the actual doing it and once you're in the thick of it and there's so many things that people don't think about like 
the security aspect on the clothes and the sizes and the fact that it's not like one, two, three, it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, mm. and the materials and all of that, like what happened then? I mean, yeah, it's it's complex and actually lingerie is- the, Even more. It's like the rocket science of fashion, right? Yeah. You, you know, I mean, I didn't back then, but now we have 40 sizes in a bra, you know, it's very technical, mm -hmm. you know, et cetera. So yeah, I mean, I, I what, what I did was I went to a lot of trade shows initially. So there's a big one in Paris yeah. that's, you know, quite famous. And I went and I just met people. C'est première know, vision. The, um, the interfilia. Oh, the lingerie, ah, interfilia, yeah. yeah. And so I was, you know, talking to brands, meeting people, like trying to understand how this, how it could work. Because obviously when you start, you want a very small scale, you yeah. know, which is, is difficult. So really I started in kind of a mixed way. I found some production in Poland actually, um, a lady that was willing to do you know she had kind of had this network of women who actually worked in her home so it wasn't like wow. a big factory very skilled yeah um and through with working with her and actually i worked with her for years she she stayed with us for a long time till we uh, sadly we kind of outgrew that that level of production yeah. but she allowed me to do quite small runs and as well as that i also bought in some other brands so that I was selling because I couldn't afford, you know, to create an entire collection, but I wanted to learn. Yeah. So I was looking, I looked at other sort of boutique brands that were quite small that I could sell alongside what I was doing to better understand what the customer wanted. You know, and these were brands you couldn't find in the major, major stores. So wait, when um, you opened up the website, initially you were doing your own collection and also selling other people's collection not on a site we didn't even have a website there oh my god it was literally selling uh you know local events selling to friends okay. and family i mean this was like me yeah. in my bedroom it was really small because i was just trying things out. i love that so it was properly i mean it, you know when i think back to those early days it was it was very much a case of fake it till you make yeah. it you know yeah. so i would you know i would do an event i would sell and then if someone called to ask about their delivery or something, I would almost put on a different voice on the phone. <laughs> like deliveries, you know, and just sort of like seem like we were bigger than we were. Yeah. So it was very, very ground up. And then what happened over time, of course, I was able to, you know, gradually sort of increase the Blue Bella range and decrease anything else till obviously, yeah. and then we built up the collection. And the collection now, you know, we lingerie, nightwear, hosiery, we have kind of crossover ready to wear pieces. It's, you know, really extensive, but for a long time it was very small. It was a capsule really. And how is it to obviously be a business owner from a young age, but also being a woman in a world, like I know the lingerie world is a woman world, but actually the business world is more of a man's world and fashion at the moment is dominated by men mm. or the women by more? So it's interesting, the lingerie world was not a women's world when was I started. Not? No, you'd expect oh my that, God. right? But you know, those trade shows I just mentioned, yeah. it's middle-aged men, you know, the old, all these beautiful old Italian French brands generally run by oh, yeah. men. You That's know, true actually. Yeah, when you yes. think about it. So actually it wasn't a woman's world. It's yeah. becoming more so happily, you know, through my career, I've seen that shift. But, um, you know, the big, even now, you look, think of the big, you know, global lingerie brands. There's not yeah. that many that are run, more, more so run by women, but there's still many that the, the CEO is a man. I've, you I've, know. I've had a look actually at, you know, the, the current market lately and who are the owners of lingerie brands. Mm. And it's mostly men, it's yeah, true. Exactly yeah. that. So, you know, so what I found, I think for me, the biggest issue was raising money. So once I'd grown the business and it was, you know, I wanted to scale, um, 
you know, and the, the the first stop for a lot of businesses like that are what, what you call business angels. So these are yeah. high net worth individuals who invest in small businesses and there's various tax breaks available to them to do that. Um, and what I found was, I don't think, you know, was it, you know, it could be because I was a woman and yeah, you know, it's terrible stats mm-hmm. around that less than 2% of VC funding, for example, goes to female yeah. founders. So, you know, that's very well documented. Less than 2%. Yeah, it's, a, I mean, it's, the stats are this imp- is appalling. Insane. Less than 2% of VC funding goes to female founders and it's something like 0.02% to, you know, female founders of colour. I mean, the stats are appalling, you know, really appalling. Yeah. Um, but what I found was, the, the thing I really struggled with, it was I had a female focused product so I was pitching to these business angels. They are predominantly male, middle-aged men. And, you know, if they've made their money in an industry, they want to invest in that industry. So it's like... Yeah, they don't want to go out of their way. Yeah. Exactly. So they've made their money in biotech. They invest in biotech. They've made their money mm-hmm. in fintech. They invest in fintech or whatever it is. And so they didn't get what I was doing. They were like, oh, but you're selling bras. But so does other companies. They sell bras. So why is it different? And they didn't understand the brand they didn't understand why it was different and so I really struggled to find investors Mm -hmm. and so that was probably the biggest thing I noticed plus you know being a young woman you know all the imposter syndrome all the kind of oh I'm sure everyone else knows better than I do yeah you know I definitely had a lot of that as well yeah yeah and how were the other brands towards like a new brand coming in I mean, you're so small at that point. They probably don't barely notice you, yeah. you know. But then you grow is... and then they're like, oh, holy shit, no. <laughs> I mean, generally, you know, I, I found the industry generally to be supportive, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, if, if, a, if the founder-led businesses, you know, I mean, I have young women starting lingerie brands that contact me and, you yeah. know, I'm happy to give advice. That's amazing. there should be space, you know, if as long as it's sort of not yeah. <laughs> copying what I'm doing, you know, that's fine. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's, there's, there's space and it's a growing market and I think yeah. lingerie has you know because lingerie has transitioned into ready to wear it's underwear and outerwear is now so normalized mm-hmm. that in theory you know it's it's going to take more of people's dollar right because you're spending yeah, of on course. your underwear but you'll you'll also wear it as a top so there's space you know there's room for for good brands with yeah. a point of difference and you know I'll always champion brands that I feel are supportive of my values and vision which I fed into Bluebella yeah but I think are really important for the industry as a whole so yeah a hundred percent and how so the brand grows the brand grows what happens like what makes you move out of your dad's house and <laughs> you know get into like new offices and all of that like what happens you you finally get the investment yeah and once you get the investment how is it like? I mean, it was, it's, it was, for me, it was very gradual. So a lot of businesses, they might get a huge, you know, five million pound yeah. check and then it's a big scale up and they have huge targets on marketing, spend and customer acquisition and they get the new premises and so on. Um, and that, that wasn't my journey. You know, it was very, it was much more organic mm-hmm. and much slower. Um, and we've had a few iterations of the business. So I've transitioned it a couple of times in terms of sales channel, um, we worked in licensing for a while. We've done some different things. You were able to come back from the licensing. So that was um, what, that was another brand. So we were basically designing and producing okay. lingerie for another brand, okay. which was cash generative, but wasn't mm-hmm. building, you know, Blue Bella. But it yeah, helped, wasn't building it the brand. To, yeah, you know, help to finance, I guess, the the growth of Blue Bella. So you know, it was gradual. We sort of we we had some offices. We had all the. I mean, it was funny actually. This was I was still in Nottingham, and we had all the stock in like a back room of this small office space I had. 
and we were growing and growing and I needed more pickers and packers to kind of help get the orders out. We were yeah. doing it all ourselves from there, which was madness. And um, I put an ad up in like the local shops and, you know, looking for pickers <laughs> and packers. Come back with us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is like, wait, this is before it was kind of like, like the internet was not as, you know, yeah. established. And really near the office, there was um, this place called... Um, Oh, I've forgotten what it's called, but basically it's a national water sports center where all yeah. the people train like for the Olympics in like canoeing and all these water sports. <laughs> and suddenly we got this guy who applied for the job who was like six foot five, young, like 20 year old guy <laughs> because he was training as like some Olympic kayaker. And then he gradually got all his friends. And so I remember one Christmas, like the stock room was full of these like six foot five men. <laughs> <laughs> folding little thongs and putting you know I mean, I'm sure the customers would have loved to receive one of these guys through the post with the thong I mean, they would have been like this is great I mean it was really funny I mean, yeah so so really it was just kind of I mean I didn't know what I was doing right I was yeah. just like oh it's we, we're getting bigger and we need help and then and then at a certain point it was like we've outgrown this we need a professional warehouse and that's yeah. when we took on a 3PL so we moved all the stock to a third-party logistics company and um and then I wanted to move south you know I'd only really moved back to Nottingham to start mm -hmm. the business but my heart was in London and I yeah to, and so you know then we we moved the HQ south so yeah it was sort of um a gradual yeah gradual scaling yeah and in terms of production so now do you still produce in the UK a little bit or in Poland like where are you I mean we produce various places not in the UK the, the reality is you can't produce at a price point in the UK yeah now I know that you know people might say you can um, you can if you sell it for 600 and you only need to produce I mean. 300 pieces if you want to retail at, we're sort of in that yeah. premium mid-market space it just it doesn't add up and I know yeah. because we've looked really carefully at it because we would love to you yeah know, we would love to do that um so you know that that's sadly not available to us yeah. um i mean we do produce our hosieries all made in italy um we produce in the far east various other places so it just kind of depends on the product yeah and how do you design your product do you design everything yourself still like do you have a team with you we ha i have an amazing team um i mean the creative at bluebella is kind of very it, it, it evolves in different ways so sometimes it might be trend-led so we yeah. you know there's some kind of concept we love that you know might be trend inspired um sometimes it's kind of from the fabric up like we'll see a fabric that we just fall in love with and then we might adapt it a bit and so on and we're kind of known for using unusual fabrics in yeah. lingerie or new, unusual shapes um sometimes it might be you know uh, what i call this kind of circle of inspiration because we might social media has been so important for us and we might see on our feed oh girls are styling our product in this way and we could like help with that by you know we now do for example sheer layering tops to wear yeah. over because we were kind of seeing our product you know worn with shears on our customers it looks amazing it's kind of part of that underwear's outerwear look so we wanted to produce pieces to kind of help create that look that's so good so it and it's also of... such a good way to show off the product without keeping it just for the bedroom yeah and that's all part of, like my whole thing is you know the bra is it should be like a t-shirt right there's yeah. nothing inherently anything about the bra it's a fashion item it might be sexy it might be fashion forward it might be cozy comfy it can be lots of different things mm -hmm. it depends on how the wearer styles it yeah. what her mood is so i want to move the bra out of this kind of you know male gaze space and into the fashion space so I love all the sheer layering trends and yeah. you know if a bra, if a bra is beautiful 
just like a t-shirt or anything uh-huh. else like show it off you yeah know? so um yeah so it's been really fun to move into that space so the inspiration can come in all different ways from all different places yeah. that's amazing it's, it's funny because when i was in high school i used to actually wear bras on top of my t-shirts yeah. and i would be told off and then i would be like that's that's just a top on top of the t-shirt and and it would be like that's not acceptable I was like well it is acceptable in my world (laughs) and now I see that and I think I think back at like the 15 year old me in school being told off and I think that that's so funny because fast forward yeah this is what's happening now and people find it normal and it's kind of like this whole you know go out in your pajamas and all of that this is quite new like 15 years ago people would be like wait what yeah exactly and I think you know it's interesting for me because I see so for example various design details that used to be considered really risque yeah have now kind of morphed into something else so for example we do a lot of um like wide strapping detail which used to be considered quite like fetish quite bondage yes whereas now it's sort of sports luxe you know and it's kind of evolved so I think it's really nice that things have moved out of this you know we used to be considered very niche um whereas now we're not um and you only have to look at the red carpet. You know, if you think back to Liz Hurley and that iconic safety pin yeah. dress, which was like, oh my God. And now you look at that and you think, oh, oh it's, like, it's great. So kind it's of tame, not, yeah. you know, because, yeah. you know, people have embraced um, shears and, you know, und- corsetry's moved and, and latex and all those all those kind of um, fabrics have moved into the mainstream. Yeah. yeah. And I think as well, there's, there's the whole like body positivity image that has helped a lot the world of lingerie because it's it's helped like people come out and be like well i'm actually like this is me in my underwear and i'm proud yeah and i feel great and i see now when you go buy underwear i mean i've always loved underwear i've always like i love slutty underwear and i love everything that's like lacy transparent like embellished Mm -hmm. and all of that but now when i walk as a stylist through a shop with my clients or when i prep jobs and stuff i've realized like people have a lot of a an easier time showing themselves in their lingerie because they feel like well it's body positivity let's embrace ourselves and this and that and it's kind of like bought in something so different in the world of like being a stylist and I'm wondering, like, is it the same for you? Like, we, you've seen, you obviously have a lot of sizes as well, but have you seen that through the business? Yeah, I mean, I think it's things are moving in a really positive yeah. direction, you know, probably not as quick as they should. You know, when mm. we first started, you know, showcasing different size bodies and, you know, even things like casting a girl with a shaved head for a lingerie shoot, which at the time people were like, but a lingerie shoot they always have long they want long blonde hair yes and this sort of you know so things that we did that people like you know they're becoming more normalized which i think is great because what we need to do is show people you know all different kinds of bodies deserve to enjoy lingerie and so people need to see people that they can identify with and Mm -hmm. that gives people the confidence to enjoy the product you know, we did a shoot with Girlie for Pride this year and she's an amazing sort of singer-songwriter, um, very proudly queer. And she she talked to us about how growing up she didn't see, you know, women like her in lingerie. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And she didn't see, you know, and she's got kind of a punky look and she, and she kind of couldn't relate to the product. So for many years she thought, oh, this isn't something for me. This is something for this other kind of person yeah. that looks like... Um, and then you know she it's for the sexy feminine yeah yeah. this kind of you know the cookie cut you know skinny white girl long blonde hair kind of and so as 
she you know grew and evolved and she realized she loved this product it meant something to her it made her feel a certain way and she wanted to shoot with us to show you know girls like her that mm-hmm. they could identify with her so i think there's a responsibility as a brand to try and show diversity to celebrate diverse beauty and that is becoming more normalized i mean i think it's a weird thing with instagram etc in, in some ways there's this body pos- positive movement and you know there's all these amazing women that are proud to you know to show themselves in their lingerie I suppose the flip side is there's more pressure as well so Instagram has this kind of two you know sort of a push and a pull so yeah it's never enough yeah so so I think we have to be conscious of that particularly with young girls Mm -hmm. um so yeah pros and cons I'd say yeah and you have like a, a mega presence on social media and I've seen you guys are quite active, like there's a lot of things happening. Does that actually translate into sales? Yeah, I mean, social is our shop window. So, you know, I think social media has allowed brands, independent brands like Blue Bella to grow an audience, you know, in a way they wouldn't have been able to, you know, 10 years ago. So um, it's really important for us and it's a community. You know, I think what's really valuable for us is it's a way we can speak to our, our audience, hear from them, um, understand what's important to them you know we've done a lot of campaigns where we showcase them you know yeah uh, and can connect to them you know in the pandemic we did it was you know it was such a crazy time but we we decided to put together the world's largest fashion show and we got I hundreds of women to video themselves like strutting in their blue bella and we cut it all together as a fashion show and it was a real sense of community amongst those women at a very difficult time when everyone was kind yeah. of locked in their in their homes so I think it's a really powerful thing, you know, I think for a brand, if you, under, if you, I don't think you should think of it just as a sales tool, because I think that then it's kind of inauthentic and all you're thinking about is what do I put up to get this, to get that, whereas actually it's a lot more than that, it's a community, it's two way, you speak to the customer, they speak to you, um, there's responsibility attached, um, I mean, and it's also about conveying your values, I mean, we do things on social regularly that are deeply uncommercial which we lose followers over really yeah but we do it because i believe in it and it's important what makes you lose followers for example i mean you'd be amazed it's things like you know we if we post girls with body hair if we you know people get offended by the weirdest things you know that's natural hair on a woman it's like the least offensive thing i can imagine but do you get people commenting like this is awful and following. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, you know, some people, you know, but I think it's that, but that's why it's important yeah. to show that, right? Yeah. Because it's like, well, it's the reality it, as well. It's real life. What, yeah. And, and we do a lot around gender. We're very happy to post, you know, um, male looking bodies if, if they want to celebrate themselves in lingerie. Great. I personally believe that if we celebrate the femininity in men, it will help us as women towards gender parity. That's something yeah, of I course. believe very strongly. So I'm very happy to showcase beautiful men if they enjoy women's laundry great but you know some people find that offensive they don't understand that so you know and also the causes we raise money for and you know so I I think you know if you are a commercially led business you know you just probably wouldn't do any of those things but Bluebella for me is a mission-led business as well as we sell products for sure but it's also about sharing our view of the world with our female audience and that's really important to me yeah. So actually, it's social media is more of a tool. Yeah. To direct a message than do a sell. 
Yeah, I yeah. mean, obviously we want people to buy yeah, things. Yeah, you know, I'll be lying yeah. if I sat here and didn't. Of course we do, but it's not just that. Yeah. You know, that would be very shallow and surface level. It's, yeah. it's a lot more than that. And so how is it when you do collabs and stuff like that? Obviously, like, we work together. Well, we work together with... Camilla over the summer for Becky Hill for Glastonbury, which was quite a moment for us because she was like, I want this. <laughs> and uh, she was so proud of wearing she it. Like she also, you know, she also it. wore Ashish with the rest of the look, yeah. which was really exciting for us because Ashish obviously did something with mm. you. But how is it when you do a, a collab with another brand and B, when you collab with a musician or you do a custom for someone? Like, what's it like? Is it I mean, all you? Like, how does it happen? I love the collaborations. I mean, I think we've done, so from a design perspective, when we've collaborated with other designers, yeah. generally we've done it because we want to go into a space that isn't kind of part of our handwriting. Yeah. And so we kind of want to work with someone who owns that space, who is brilliant at it, who inspires mm. us. Um, so Ashish, for example, who you just mentioned, you know, obviously the king of sparkle, all about embellishment we don't do that's not really kind of part of yeah. Bella's day to day but we wanted to do something in that space and who better to work with than Ashish and it's not it wasn't just the design it was also Ashish is very aligned to our values he you know he talks a lot about society and politics and you know and he's in East London and all those things so it was a very kind of natural um collaboration or more recently with Ashley Williams we don't really do much print you know that's not really something we do day to day I love Ashley's prints. They're just yeah. so witty and clever and Look, subversive. <laughs> that's um, two invites for one of like for her shows like ages ago. Ah, great! Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so you know what you know you know what I'm talking yeah. about. So for us, it was like we wanted to put some prints into nightwear and a few pieces of lingerie, and we didn't want to do you know the class. You know, prints can be very classic in nightwear. You know, and that's not Blue Bella. So we wanted to work with a designer who really could you know do something really interesting. So working with Ashley was perfect because you know she's all that and more so I think the design collaborations are generally from that you know that that's kind of the impetus um with celebrity I think it's when you know I get really excited I mean I'm massively fangirl people that's often the you know I mean <laughs> the self-esteem um who who is the face of our Valentine's yeah. collection this year I mean I'm just like obsessed with her and I saw her at Glastonbury and I was already slightly obsessed with her I just love I just loved her message you know I love the music but I just I just felt she really embodied so much of what we talked to that I just really really wanted to work with her so basically <laughs> so did basically you stalked her and she, eventually she like, agreed did you go like hey I have this really cool brand <laughs> can we work together yeah I mean approach, I kind of actually connected through a friend to you know some of her team so so that was you know and so 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 often it might be like that there's some mm -hmm. kind of connection or or you know I'm a fan of you know or you know so we feel there's there's a good fit so it's it generally yeah often often is, is is something like that yeah I mean now that I have you on the podcast who's your dream collab oh wow because maybe they hear it yeah yeah, maybe. Be the, yeah please come <laughs> I mean I love I mean there's a I could probably tell you a few but one that springs to mind I love FKA Twigs yeah I just think she's so mesmerizing so interesting the way she moves has this real kind of strong sensuality that I think is really interesting. Yeah. And is such a creative force. So yeah, I'd love to work with Twigs hey, if you're okay, <laughs> I want to move more on the day-to-day -day basis and I want to know how much do you actually 
design or talk creative through the day and how much is admin business yeah, yeah. so because obviously for whoever doesn't know blue bella the brand has grown like exponent exponentially yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sold in many many places including selfridges and so having a brand that sells on that magnitude also means that you have to have quite some business time would i say it like that yeah yeah so for me like what i love about my job and i feel very lucky to have is that i get to be creative and i get to do the business side because i do love both so you know i to so very hands-on i'm very hands-on you know so on the creative side obviously i love the product you know there's nothing more exciting when samples turn up you know i love that side but also the the, the marketing side the creative you know coming up with campaigns or you know the messaging and i love all that and I still do a lot of that. I'm very, you know, I think like most founder-led brands, you kind of hold the brand tight yeah. to you. So I'm very much in that. But I'm, you know, I did, I studied economics. I like numbers. You know, I'm, I, I like the sort of business development side and the numbers side. So, so my role is very, very split and I love that. Um, so I would say, I mean, I don't proportionally, it would vary a lot week to week, month to month. You know. Have you had a lot of people approach you and be like, hey, I want to either be an investor in this or I want to buy over the brand? Because like, um, I guess this happens once the brand is quite successful I as mean, well. What happens is, so I've done three rounds of investment and we've, we've been profitable now for a while, so we don't need to raise any more money, thank, thank goodness. But, um, you know, when you're raising money, it's really hard and you're out, you know. And then as soon as you don't need the money, everyone wants to give you money. Really? <laughs> That's what happens. So once you're profitable and growing nicely, everyone's like, would you like some money? And you're like... I would have liked some a few years ago. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just the way the way it is. So, yeah, I mean, we get approached by, you know, investors. But, you know, we're working. I've been really happy to kind of, we, the, the last raise we did was a crowdfund, which was, yeah. you know, um, and I've been very happy to kind of be able to grow the business or, or you know, self-fund the business since then. So you see yourself, like, you see your baby growing and growing and staying with your baby for a long time. I mean, I think I'm st I still, you know... It's hard to say what will happen in the future. Right now, I still feel I'm learning so much. Yeah. And that's what I like. Mm. So, you know, things, we're in new markets, working in new categories, you know, the industry's changing yeah. a lot. Um, so it's still a real learning curve. And also as more senior people join the business, I learn a lot from them. So I'm, I'm, I still feel very, you know, I'm not bored. I'm still very interested in what we're doing mm. and so on. So whilst that's the case, I'm very happy. That's I think- That's amazing. There might come a point where I feel either that I'm not adding enough value or I'm not learning and that might be the time to, you know, to, to do something else. But certainly for the foreseeable future, I'm very happy. And have you thought about launching like a baby brand? I mean, when I say a baby brand, I don't mean lingerie for babies. Like everybody's <laughs> going to be like, oh my God. No, like I mean nappy like... covers. That would sell. That would sell. That would actually sell. Um, when I say a baby brand, I mean like a sister brand of Blue Bella? I mean, not, you know, we're exploring categories within Blue Bella. So mm -hmm. we've, you know, we've launched, we relaunched our nightwear business recently. We've got some exciting launches next year. Um, so we've got new categories coming within Blue Bella. But no, I don't feel the need to do another brand because I think what Blue Bella stands for, what the brand is about, can expand beyond sort of core lingerie. So yeah. there's a lot of space there to, yeah, to be creative. Can. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's also because it represents so many different type of persons. Mm. You have the growth behind it, which makes it really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Have you had any 
like oh my fucking god this is a fuck up moment oh my like, god so many <laughs> so what's been your worst one uh production wise like and when i mean production i mean like you receive the samples or they go into store and you're like ah it's not selling or i mean i've had like i think it's really important to be honest about yeah. how you know how challenging the journey is and i always say to people starting out you know that and i think women are particularly good at sort of admitting this is that you know it's not a smooth ride and actually i think being an entrepreneur basically means you've got the ability to kind of constantly fall flat on your face but get up again <laughs> yeah it's the getting up again that's key you know the falling flat on your face is inevitable and um, so there's been loads of moments i mean production wise we don't really get i mean we certainly don't now obviously we've got so much you know qc in place and so much you know you things wouldn't slip through that had a production fault now and yeah. it's been like that for a long time but you do have delays i mean you have things like the Suez Canal's shut or the bad weather or the boat's gone missing or the, yeah. co you know, we have, that still happens and that's The boat's nightmare. gone missing. Maybe not the whole boat, but the, often, oh often the carton's the gone car missing yeah. and, you know, things just sort of disappear or there's, you know, there's some delivery men somewhere in beautiful lingerie <laughs> we can't deliver. So we get, we get a lot of that now. In the early days though on the production, it was harder because we didn't have the you know, the QC and all the things we have in place. And, you know, we had, we, I mean, it was more things like, you know, I remember we had this body which would looked amazing, but it was just too rigid, right? So you, to get in it, you would have to like, <laughs> you know, you'd have to like be a contortionist to get into this body. But hilariously, actually, because it was so beautiful, people did persevere to get in it. No know? way. Because it was like, it looked so good. So, you know, things like that, that wouldn't happen yeah. now, obviously, because we've got the team, but, you know, back in the day, yeah. And have you done campaigns? You finished a campaign and you're like, this is so not right. We've done shoots where, I mean, sometimes that happens, you know, where you, you, with all the best intentions, something just goes wrong on the day. Mm -hmm. I mean, that doesn't happen so much now, but I remember earlier, because obviously everything's very, you know, meticulously planned. But I remember when, um, you know, in the early days, well, actually I'm saying that, but actually, <laughs> I'm just remembering not this Not long ago. <laughs> I'm just thinking, what was the last drama? But I remember actually the self-esteem shoot, I just mentioned her the van with all the props got stolen stolen the night before the shoot so the, the the props guy had got all the props for the shoot in a van and it was in the van overnight and the van got stolen so he woke up in so the morning it was in the morning we were like we have nothing all we have is a studio oh so the God. whole concept that was really stressful that's he like, was like calling, <laughs> yeah. wipe up a new, a new concept calling around trying to like pull things in i mean thankfully rebecca's self-esteem the way she moves she doesn't need props right yeah, that woman can yeah. hold a shot you know so actually in a way it worked out fine because less was more we didn't you know the, the concept was probably more complex but she doesn't need that because she moves so beautifully she really she's got this yeah. real presence so actually it was fine but oh that was God. stressful <laughs> and have you had moments where you're like okay i'm gonna order like thousands of this specific model and then it arrives and you're like oh god you mean the actual product? The actual product. No, that never happens. Yeah, I've never kind of like gone to production and then it turns... Because I mean, we have so many reviews, yeah. you know. 
to be honest, I've seen by the time something goes on sale, I'm like, how is this not on sale yet? I feel like I've been looking at it <laughs> for like a year, you know, because lingerie, you work so far ahead, right? Because the production is complex. Yeah. And so and not only do we work for it so far ahead, there are so many reviews of the product. We've seen it so many times. We've reviewed it with the team. So as you've, is everybody at some point in the office wearing the product to make sure that it's actually comfortable? <laughs> I mean, I do. Not, I like, we do a lot of work. Yeah. Wear yeah. Te- so really you've kind of, you know the product inside out. So it, it's never something goes to production and you're yeah. like, you know, sometimes you get surprises. You think, oh my God, it's amazing and it doesn't sell. Or the, or you think, oh, it's really niche. We'll just buy, I mean, we did that recently. Um, we had, did a very small production run because it was a very high priced product, very, you know, very expensive and very sort of particular. And it sold out in two weeks and you're like, oh no, <laughs> wish we'd ordered more. So you can get that very wrong. That still happens because none of us have a crystal ball. But no, I don't think... I can't think of an instance that the production has come and I've not still loved it. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And do you have sometimes celebrities who would wear it? Obviously, we know, like, I see the impact it has. You'll get a celebrity that wears the pieces and something will sell out because of that celebrity. But we also know that sometimes some people, when they wear things, you'd think, oh, I'm going to get so many sales from that mm. person and you get no sales. And then you have someone who maybe has less following, but has like more of a loyal fan base and the fan base is connecting more with what the person does. And then instantly you sell out on something. Have you had those moments? Have you had the moments of like, oh shit, so-and-so wore that and now we're sold out? Like, yeah, it, it definitely doesn't always correlate how yeah. you think, you know, we were on the cover of Sunday Time Style with a set um, and I thought, wow, but then people don't necessarily you know, it depends what mind frame people, are they in a shopping mind frame when they're seeing that celebrity or that cover mm. or whatever it is? So yeah, it can it can really vary. And I definitely think those sort of smaller, you know, more kind of micro influencers, it's generally more authentic. Yeah. Their followers are more engaged with what they're doing. So. And people connect maybe a bit more sometimes because they find it's a bit more real. Yeah, exactly. So you can get really good results mm-hmm. from... Um, so you, you need a bit of both. I mean, the celebrity stuff is great. It's kind of top of funnel. It helps get the brand out there. But then you also need, yeah, the, the, those those kind of micros as yeah. well, I would say. Yeah. And so what's the plan for Blue Bella for the... I mean, I'm not going to say the end of the year because it's December yeah. and it's, it's done <laughs> yeah. and you've already planned the next summer collection and everything. Yeah. But what's the plan for the next year? So as I hinted, we've got some we've got some really exciting launches um, next year. So um, some new new categories that we're dipping our toe into, which I'm really excited about. Um, so watch this space for that. Um, and then, yeah, just we've got some great campaigns. I'm really excited about the product. You know, I genuinely feel every season we really move it on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I just can't wait for some of the collections that we've now sort of signed off coming coming through. Um, and then international, you know, the US is our biggest market now. So, is it? Yeah, so we, we, we're growing really well over there. So I really love getting out there and sort of understanding that and building on that. I'd love to do a bit of physical next year pop-ups. Um, we're looking at that. So, I mean, that's the thing being kind of a digital brand. We don't get to meet the customer physically enough. Yeah. Um, we did the stylist show a couple of weeks ago and I loved that. I love meeting the customer, hearing... Hearing know, their stories with the lingerie. Yeah, you know? I just love yeah. it so much and we want we want more of that. And also to showcase the product because people can't feel how amazing it feels, how soft it is. They can't, you know you know get that kind of tactile impression of the product online however beautiful the images are so 
I really want to kind of, you know, we're obviously in Selfridges and various other yeah. stores, but to have the whole collection with our industry, the whole thing. And in your, in your space in as our, well. Yeah. yeah, so I'd really love to do that next year as well. I love that. Yeah. Well, Emily, thank you so much for coming today. It oh. was a real pleasure having you. And it's also, I think, very interesting to, A, have a business owner, a woman, but also learn a little bit more about lingerie because I think it's a world that people don't really know. Actually, I've got one last question. Sure. For everyone that wants to do a lingerie brand, what's your best advice? You're like, don't do one. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't say that at all. Look, I would say, I mean, this I guess would apply to anyone launching a brand mm -hmm. more generally, not specifically lingerie. I think you have to really believe in it. You know, it's it's not easy, you know, and that's, I, I like to be kind of honest about that, that it's, you know, it's a hard slog. So people that think, oh, you work for yourself, that means you can, you know, no, no. <laughs> take time yeah. out. And, you know, no. those early days, it's really hard. So what sustains you is because you really believe in it and you really, you know, you, you really, you know, understand the gap you're filling, you know, what your message is or the product. If you really believe in that, that will sustain you through the difficult part. So I would say... The, you know having that having that belief and if you don't have that belief yet and you're not sure test it you know take six months or you know do it around your other job or you know see if you can build that belief and then take the leap yeah i love that thank you thanks for having me thank you guys thank you so much for watching you can find bluebella on bluebella.com on instagram and you can also find it in quite a few stores actually no yeah so here in london selfridges or fenix or flannels or in the u.s um yeah lots of stores Nordstrom Victoria's Secret Bloomingdale's oh my yeah. god everywhere yeah <laughs> love it thank you so much for watching Get Undressed I hope you liked this episode please give us a review a comment ask us question we can also go back to Emily and get more answers you can find us on Spotify YouTube Apple and then you can find me on social media Adele Kani and ask all your questions thank you bye <laughs>